Hi, welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle, your co-host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. Delighted to have you. Welcome back to the squirrels who have been here before, to our new squirrels. Hi, how's it going? The 12th House Podcast is a little corner of the internet where we bring together creativity, inspiration, intuition, spiritual shit, the metaphysical, the practical, tactical stuff that comes to running a business. And we bring it to you so that you can do your sacred work, so you can self-actualize, so you can be the biggest you you could possibly be. It's really fun. You're going to like it, I think. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Happy Friday. TGIF. What's your Friday ritual? Do you have one? I do always leave the house to work at a cafe on Friday. What's yours? Well, when I was little, we always used to go to Blockbuster and then go to Vaughn's and get a quart of ice cream. And we would eat the ice cream and watch whatever movies we rented from Blockbuster. And I personally love that vibe. That is so fun. It's so fun. But more often than not, on Friday mornings, now that we have the baby, I'm with Rhodes. So I'm with Rhodes in the morning. And then I just do my little tidying up of my space, of my calendar. I didn't used to work on Fridays, but now I do because like my schedule's a little different. So it's it's my like personal time. Like I I want people to still think that I don't work on Fridays, but I secretly do work on Fridays, just uninterrupted. Ooh, I like this. Okay. Yeah. I think Friday feels like a day where there's a lot of flexibility. It's probably the day where I have the least like formal scheduling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but also Monday. Not a lot of formal yeah. scheduling on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a good life. Monday, people are like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like we get it. You like your job. Okay. God. <laughs> no, but I do think actually Monday and Friday are when I definitely get deep work on something specific that I wasn't able to either get to throughout the week or that I need to start the week off. So, yeah. And, you know, I like to go window shopping sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I consider not working deep work in a way. It's sort of like deep work on myself because if I'm not like burning out, I'm like being boundaried, you know, I'm listening to myself. So, I'm actually kind of proud of myself when I don't open my computer on a Monday sometimes, you know, or on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Look at us so conditioned to be like, work, 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 work. Anyway. (laughs) I feel like when you go on walks, at least with roads, I know you window shop. Oh, there's nothing more soothing to my nervous system. No sound bath, no meditation, no yoga class could possibly compare to me walking down the streets of maybe Chinatown here in LA, maybe Silver Lake, if I'm in New York, Soho, just looking at looking at shit, not buying a single thing, nowhere to be, iced coffee in hand, just living life. That is healing to me. Mm, couldn't agree more, but I was reacquainted with... The actual act of window shopping when my friend was visiting a few weeks ago, because I have never been into so many stores and bought nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I usually have to cut myself off because I'm like, I'm not buying anything. I need to just stop this whole Really? You know, maybe like five to 10 places, but then I just also get bored. I'm like, I want to do something else. My Mm -hmm. friend went into one store three times to stop to try on the same pair of sunglasses. I love her for it. But I was like, wow, this is, this is intense. (laughs) No, I like that. I actually think that I spent, I spend less money when I'm window shopping because I'm like exercising my demons of hunter gathering, Mm -hmm. you know, like looking around, imagining what my life could be like. But I have such a like lower 
Also, I have to talk to someone if I'm going to buy something <laughs> in person. Yeah. And I feel like that really scares me off. Honestly, I'm like, hmm, is it worth it to buy this thing if I have to talk to someone for 15 seconds to do it? Not today. The barrier to entry is so much lower when I'm buying something online. I think this is true because it's kind of like online dating, you know? There's more fish yeah. in the sea. You just keep swiping. Yeah, it feels more real. Yeah, we did that and we went into Marnie. She was like, I really want to go into Marnie. I was like, okay, big spender. I Why? <laughs> yeah. <Good luck. laughs> and she was like, I want you to try on this pair of sandals. So we tried them on and she was like, don't buy them. And I was like, obviously not. They're like $900 or something. But she wanted me to try them on because she was like, you can get these online for under $300, which I was still not going to spend, but, you know, much cheaper. And she was like, I will promise you that this is one of the last sandals you'll ever buy. Anyway, she she was just trying to convince me. But Uh the reason I bring all of this up is because today we are going to talk about enclosed cognition. Ooh, yeah, in close cognition. Can always relate everything to shopping, apparently. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. I mean, in close cognition, did the shoes make you feel different? Well, absolutely, because they were so insanely comfortable. And she was like, you can dress them up. You can dress them down. You don't have to buy another pair of shoes like she was selling them to me. <laughs> but we spoke to a guy there who was really helpful. He had us try in a few different sizes. But I left being like, oh, that was a great active window shopping. I still haven't got the sandals, but I'm looking out for them on like Poshmark and the real real to find them like used and cheaper because I had the experience of being like, oh, I understand why these are so expensive because they are so comfortable and great quality. And I was imagining my life in them. I was having the experience of, wow, if I was a woman who wore these Marnie sandals, what would I be? Blah, blah, blah. So the reason I wanted to talk about this is because we recently released an episode on the creative pragmatist philosophy, and we talk about enclosed cognition, and we've talked about it amongst ourselves you know, on the podcast and a lot of the work that we do at Holisticism for so long, but we've never actually defined it and talked about the source of it. So we're going to be talking about the original study that introduced this term because it's super cool. I love it. I love when we go all the way back, we hit the books and we go back to the basics. So tell me everything. (laughs) Settle in, grab a cup of tea. Crack knuckles, crack your neck. (laughs) I did download the entire study. So this study was reported in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology at Northwestern University. Great school. Love them. Great school. And the the social scientists, the doctors behind this are, I'm definitely going to put butcher the name. We'll write in the okay. show notes, but Hajo Adam and Adam Galinsky. The two Adams. The two Adams. I mean, we love them Adam and Adam. this work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basically the reason they wanted to do this study was because they wanted to expand on the idea of embodied cognition mm-hmm. and associate it with clothing. So they did an experiment that we're going to talk about. Wait, what's their definition of embodied cognition that like sort of leads them down the path to enclosed cognition? In embodied cognition, the link between a physical experience and its symbolic meaning is direct. So an example would be the physical experience of cleansing that's associated with moral purity or Got nodding it. your head 
while listening to a persuasive message increases one's susceptibility to persuasion. So it's like whatever physical act is directly linked. They have another, they cite a lot of interesting studies. Um, And one of them, I mean, these are going to make you laugh, but carrying a heavy clipboard increases judgments of importance. (laughs) (laughs) We've been missing that. (laughs) And clean sense increase the tendency to reciprocate trust and offer charitable help. So it's like things that have a direct response and impact, which I feel like the physical experience of cleansing being associated with moral purity is the most direct one. Yeah. There was also study in the late 60s that people who are wearing hoods are most likely to administer shock therapy, whereas someone in a nurse outfit is more likely to restrain from giving shock therapy. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So that is one of the studies that led them to be like, hmm, we need to expand on this definition. So if you're dressed as a bad guy, you might be a bad guy. Yes. You might have bad guy (laughs) tendencies. (laughs) Yes, and exactly. And this is part of embodied cognition perspective as well. Right. And by hood, you mean like like a a executioner's hood, not like a hooded jack, like a hoodie. Like, no, not not that. No, they would have said hoodie. Yeah, not hoodie. (laughs) But I, I was thinking of you while reading this study and essentially your personal study of what you were doing when you were raising funds or when you were oh, yeah. going through the process of raising money. Yeah. And I mean, this, this is a prime example of this. Okay. <laughs> Let me just redo a few more examples. And then I want you to talk about that experience, yeah. but clients are more likely to return to formally dress therapists than to casually dress therapists. So huh. they're citing all of these studies. From a color psychology perspective, research has shown professional sports teams who wear black uniforms are more aggressive than non-black wearing uniform. The Raiders, that makes total sense. They're they're absolutely vicious on the field. Yeah, and I think there's been studies about that Kiwi rugby team who also wears like the war paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like the all blacks, right? I think that's their yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then this one was funny. Teaching assistants who wear formal clothes are perceived as more intelligent but less interesting than teaching <laughs> assistants who wear less formal clothes. Smart but boring. <laughs> yeah, a little, little uh, dull. Okay, the last one, which we could probably talk a lot about. This was a 1998 study from a self-objectification perspective. Research has found that wearing a bikini makes women feel ashamed, eat less, and perform worse at math. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the math oh. just... <laughs> like, way to add insult to injury. They're like, yeah, you're going to feel horrible about your body, and also you are stupider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so definitely next time you're showing up to do your personal finances, don't wear a bikini. <laughs> Or, or do and actively or fight do. against, you know, in clothes, cognition. But I don't know if I need it to make that harder for myself. Okay, fascinating. Yes, this is totally like my, my non-scientific study. So when I was raising money, I had this huge, like at the time, it was a Google Doc. It was a Google Sheet. I probably had like 120 different VCs on it, people that I'd reached, investors that I'd reached out to or was wanted to reach out to. And after every meeting, I would take notes and because... Uh, it's a really involved process raising money. You have to like follow up at a certain time and email and keep people informed and be like casual, but not casual. And I also made a note of what I was wearing because one of my first meetings, um, I actually met with a female angel investor and then her husband came to the meeting later 
And it was so interesting because I was wearing this dress and I was wearing heels and it was like a, not a like formal office dress, but it was not like, it wasn't like going out in the club in Miami dress. It was, it was a mid length dress and like a high neck and had cap sleeves. And I was telling her about the business. And at some point she was like, well, when you look like that, referring to how I looked, um, <laughs> I, I, not, no, that but like stunning. Uh, it was around, around raising money. Cause I, I, when I originally wanted to raise money, I only wanted to raise from women. I wanted to have an all female cap table. I thought that would be so cool. And I was telling her about it, expecting her to be like, yeah, that's amazing. How cool would that be to like, and inspiring would that be to have all these strong women on your cap table? And she basically was like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And when you look like that, you should definitely raise from men. And women are not going to want to give you money. And I was so surprised. And then her husband walked in and sat down at the table and was so nice to me. And they obviously did not end up giving me any money. But walking away from that meeting, I was like, okay, I shouldn't have worn makeup. I shouldn't have worn my hair down. I shouldn't have worn a dress. I shouldn't have worn heels. Like that was the wrong call because she mm. absolutely like called out how I was dressed and what I was wearing and my physical attributes. So I started to test like what happens if I wear like a suit or something like super formal? What what happens if I wear a dress? What happens if I wear like a jumpsuit? Um, what happens if I wear my hair in a ponytail versus my hair down or my hair pulled back like it is right now? Should I wear red lipstick or should I actually not wear a ton of makeup? And I found that I had the most positive responses. And obviously it's an unscientific study because the more you do these investor meetings, you bet the better you get at them, right? So that's a factor. But I found that consistently when I wore a jumpsuit that was not super loose, but also not like fitted fitted, kind of like it went in at the waist. When I wore my hair back in a low ponytail like this, and when I had like a cat eye, but no other makeup really, that was when I got the most positive feedback from, from investors, the most interest from investors. And I remember thinking how weird that was. And also like that it kind of made sense for a lot of reasons. But that was my unscientific study after meeting with probably like, I don't know, close to 50 investors. Well, I think that's something that's so unfortunate that we do experience still day to day. Well, I don't want to speak for you, but I do in terms of just how you're looked at, depending what you're wearing in a quote unquote professional setting. And I think that's something that we even talked about in the Creative Pragmatist episode with Amy, who is the founder, showing up at her intern job and, you know, wearing suits every day mm -hmm. and how that positively influenced her ability to kind of make waves in that space. And I think it's kind of sad, but it's so real. I didn't say as one of the bullet points, but one of them that I had written here is really that when you're job interviewing female candidates who wear more kind of androgynous or masculine styled clothing often do way better in terms of success rates. So it kind of just yeah. validates what you said. That study was a while ago. I'm sure there are more now. Did we even define and close cognition yet? I don't think that you did. No, 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 I didn't. So the embodied cognition perspective, which is what they're expanding on, is the link between a physical experience and its symbolic meaning. Mm -hmm. So again, the idea of holding a pen in a way that activates more smiling leads to more intense humor responses. That's another example. Got so it. expanding upon that with enclosed 
cognition. What they're talking about is the experience of wearing clothes that trigger associated abstract concepts and their symbolic meanings. Mm -hmm. So when a piece of clothing is worn, it exerts an influence on the person wearing it, which activates associated abstract concepts through its symbolic meaning. Like if someone's wearing like really high quality running shorts mm-hmm. or like really nice running shoes, they might run faster than if they were like wearing, I don't know, they're like schlubby, schlubby gym stuff that has holes in it. I mean, yes. And even to take it further, I think culturally with, let's say Nike, our symbolic association with Nike is just do it. They're, we associate them with high performing athletes. So you could add that like the cultural symbolism in the brand when you're wearing it will help you experience that, you know, associated meaning because you already have that symbolism there. So their experiment basically was exploring the effects of wearing a lab coat. So they were going on the premise of lab coats are associated with attentiveness and carefulness. So they were predicting that wearing a lab coat would increase performance on attention related tasks. So they did three experiments One where physically wearing a lab coat increased the selective attention compared to not wearing a lab coat. That was experiment one. So in experiments two and three, wearing a lab coat described as a doctor's coat increased sustained attention. That was experiment two. Experiment three, where it was described as a painter's coat. Ah, okay. Uh And then kind of an addendum to both of these is where people would just see the coat and they were told, that's a doctor's coat, or they would see the coat and they were told that's a painter's coat. Hmm. So there's a few factors here. In conclusion, they basically found that when the coat was associated with a doctor but wasn't worn, there was no increase in sustained attention. When the coat was worn but not associated with a doctor, there was also no increase in sustained attention. Only when participants were wearing the coat and it was associated with a doctor did sustain mm-hmm. attention increase. So that's where it gets to the symbolic meaning and the actual wearing of the coat. And that's kind of mm-hmm. their conclusion is that this evolution of embodied cognition is saying it involves two independent factors, the symbolic meaning of the clothes. So knowing it's associated with a doctor and the physical experience of wearing the coat while you're performing a task. Mm-hmm. That's the overall study. Oh, how cool. It just opens up so much, like so many fun ways for you to use enclosed cognition as a hack in your life. Yeah. And I, I really like they make a clear distinction that wearing it with its association is quality is like very much. I'm not going to I'm going to try and stop using their science terms, but the the serious difference, like the embodied difference of wearing it and doing a task and engaging in life versus writing about it or imagining yourself in it, mm-hmm. they're saying there's a huge difference there. Hey, popping in to let you know that doors are opening to our class, Notion for Magical Body System Spells on September 9th, which is fast approaching. Uh, class actually begins on September 19th coming up and you know we made system spells gosh like two years ago we created it for people like you and me non-linear creative what might one might call squiggly brained entrepreneurs creators and intuitives and you know 
I always thought that systems and like making systems was revolting and disgusting and gave me hives because I had this connotation that a system was going to be like rigid and feel like a metaphorical straitjacket. And I'm not that type of girl. I am free flowing. I am creative. I need to be free. And what I didn't realize in my youth was that systems when they're created for you, for the way that your brain thinks actually give you so much more freedom. They give you so much more flexibility. They make you more creative more intuitive, more powerful. And the thing is, the systems that we've been taught, like the way we've been taught to do things on a micro level and on a macro level in the world that we live in are not meant for us. They're not meant for intuitive, nonlinear thinkers. They're made for other people. And that's why they've they suck. They don't work for us. The tactics and strategies that other people use to clear their inbox or... <laughs> get their work done, just are never going to work for us. And that's okay. That's why we made system spells to teach you how to make systems that work for you, uh, to teach you how to, a new way to build systems, to keep yourself on track and to create a mind like water, a mind that's clear, that's powerful, that's intuitive, and that's flexible, that's fluid. When you have systems that support you, you'll be more creative, less overwhelmed, you're less likely to burn out and you'll be way more intuitive because you'll have way more space to create and think and dream. And it feels really good. Trust me. We made system spells inside of Notion and Notion is my favorite tool ever to build in. The reason that we teach our class in Notion is because it's a it's a great way to like plant the theory and show you in real time and in real life how to build systems inside of basically like this very cool open playground. So if you have been wanting to get yourself organized, it's that time of the year, it's the beginning of the school year. And if you're also interested in learning more about Notion and how it can be effective for you, not just at work, but in your creative life, Notion for Magical Baddies System Spells is totally for you. You can sign up at the link below. And if you have any questions, you can always ping us at Holisticism. I get excited when things that we innately know that we've often mm -hmm. written off as stupid, vapid, materialistic, get proven to actually help us. <laughs> like, um, Not yeah. only does shopping for something and in imagining what your future life could be like, is that like a psychic release and kind of cool and interesting when you actually get that item that you've decided that you want, that you associate with this version of you. It helps you become that version of you. Like, mm -hmm. and I, I did it today. I knew I had a really big to-do list and I had a big chunk of um, deep work to do. I'm just going to show you my outfit. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Let me tell you, she is wearing a bodysuit tucked into beautiful um, houndstooth. Yeah, they're like, a, they're like a checkered houndstooth, sort of wide leg, high-waisted pant. I've got my hair like slicked back today. I've got a very like neutral makeup look. And can I just say, I went through my to-do list like like a machine. I was just like, yep, okay, I will send that email, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what What changed? What was different? And I don't know, man, yesterday I was wearing like an Amish prairie hippie dress. And <laughs> less you were like, let me tell me about herbs. I did make a really good lunch. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ate really well yesterday. I, I I was a great parent to my baby, but like, yeah, it's so interesting how we even instinctually kind of like know this stuff mm -hmm. and we maybe write it off as silly or like 
I'm putting on a costume, but it really isn't that. I think that we we kind of know like what the shortcuts are to hacking our own brains. Absolutely. And we only need to look back so far in history for that to be confirmed. And Mm -hmm. there's so many esoteric traditions that are like, uh, science, duh, we've been doing this for years. Like, (laughs) of course, we have ceremonies where we have ceremonial outfits. Of -hmm. course, you, you know, it's, it's one of these things where you're like, wow, go psychology. But then you're like, okay. (laughs) You know, like there's so many traditions that have been saying this for years. And finally science catches up like centuries later. And they're like, wow. Yeah, every indigenous culture is like screaming like, hello, we said that. We've been saying this. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think about now that you've researched this and really like, you know, the science behind it and it's not just like a conceptual theory. How do you think about enclosed cognition for yourself, especially like we've alluded to it a lot on the podcast lately, but you're going into this new era of your life. Like how is dressing going to help you? Like, what do you think that you're going to need? Like, I almost think of like, what are the superpowers that I need to like put in my toolkit today? And like, how can what I wear help me with that? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. It's kind of related to just how I've been organizing and spending time organizing our apartment. Mm. So we traveled to Canada last week, Josh and I. We were traveling separately because I had a wedding the weekend before. But I found that I was able to pack and get out of the house more efficiently, faster, because there's a lot of areas of our home that have been more organized. So Mm. I didn't feel the same panic that I normally do before travel because I was like well it's organized and I've also called so there's we don't have too much stuff let's say in most of our areas it's like I have one suitcase I have one carry-on bag and my clothes are getting more and more organized and I think what I felt was wow I've saved so much time because Mm -hmm. I did some upfront work on the systems here Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what even reading The Creative Pragmatist has been doing for me for my wardrobe and fashion. I don't think I've actually taken a lot of actions in terms of purchases yet, but it's definitely made me slow down and think about my closet differently and how I want to show up in spaces physically and how I want to feel. And so I think it's given organization to a part of my life that has been mostly filled with chaos and fluctuating points of shame and then like manic interest, you know? Mm -hmm. We kind of talked about that a little bit of like allowing yourself to even be interested in fashion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like my the main takeaway I felt reading this was kind of that. I was like, yes, okay, a lot of traditions, a lot of cultures have known this for so long, but we need – and I – I don't need this all the time, but sometimes it's like we need the scientific method to prove it to be like, yes, this is real. Yeah. So I felt happy to see that more people are doing research on it. But in terms of me and let's say going back to school, I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about how I want to be able to get dressed quickly. I want to be able to feel good about it and not Mm -hmm. feel like it's a chore. And I want to feel confident showing up as myself. So I've been thinking about all of that a lot. I don't think I've actually purchased a lot of new things as a result, though. It's more of just reorienting around all of it. I love that. I feel similarly, yeah, we're both in these new eras of our lives. So we need new superpowers. I just... I know that we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I think it bears repeating. I'm a huge scent fan, perfume fan. And I also love makeup. Like I really do love makeup. I'm not good at it, but I enjoy 
putting it on yes, and you are. wearing it. <laughs> Stop it. But um, when I put on a different perfume, I really do mm. change. Like I change mm. as a person, <laughs> I think. Like I'm wearing a Palo Santo perfume today, like just a Palo mm. Santo oil. And I think that it made me There's a little Palo bit more- Palo Santo hand wash. Sorry to interrupt. There's Palo Santo hand wash at the co-working space that I'm at. And I- I guess I haven't encountered, yes, fancy. I haven't encountered yeah. Lilabo hand soap, but it's so strong and it's so nice actually. Yeah. And I immediately walked out of the bathroom feeling totally different after I washed my hands in it. So yeah. amen to that. Yeah. So I like enclosed cognition because sure, you can totally like, you can get a full ass costume. <laughs> you know, you can, you can put on your doctor coat if you want, or your like mm-hmm. boss lady pants or whatever, your artist uniform. Um, if you want that to be clothing, but it also can be a really good pair of shoes. It can be the way that you pull your hair back. It can be a, a sexy little red lip or something else like blue mascara that makes you maybe feel more creative or wild or free or young or a scent that like you don't have to spend a lot of money on. You can get, I just get samples of scents. I don't even yeah. like buy full scents anymore Same. because um, I like kind of going in between and and feeling like being able to jump into a new character. So I just, I think it's so liberating and cool. And there, it kind of coalesces with lots of other concepts that we talk about in the zeitgeist, like Nike's motto. I got to visit Nike and in, in one of my past careers and um, the headquarters and stay there for a few, couple of days and talk to the designers. And they always said, they said over and over again, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you perform better. And that was like a driving statement for them. And that's true. Like when we feel good in our clothes versus like when we put on an outfit and we're like, I hate my outfit halfway through the day, it makes our, mm-hmm. like it changes our mood. <laughs> you know, there's just so many like little uh, signs that point to like, of course, there's something more here. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a way to like make it work for you. Absolutely. They end the study with a question that I thought was interesting and I wanted to ask you. Do the effects of physically wearing a particular form of clothing wear off over time as people become habituated to it? I don't know. I was thinking about workout clothes and like, yeah, yeah, maybe when your association with that article of clothing changes. So yeah, like if you're in a uniform constantly. Yes, exactly. Or like if you wear, let's say, if you wear a blazer. And mm. you wear that blazer to work, but you also wear it <laughs> out, to the, out to the club. And you also wear it on a first date and you wear it to the movies yeah. on a Saturday morning with your friends. Like it's sort of an all-purpose item. I think that mm-hmm. in that case, it is kind of like amorphous and it might not hold the same like vibration, if you will, for like intensity. I agree. That's one of your mm, woof items. If you That's know, true. you know. If you don't you know, know, listen you to listen? the creative yep. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> okay. okay, so let's get into it. Rapid fire. What's the one weird thing about enclosed cognition, Wallace, for you? Um, the one weird thing, specifically in this study, actually, is that they cite really old studies that feel pretty sexist and outdated. So I, I don't know if that's weird or to be expected because I don't think people are studying this a lot. But mm-hmm. I feel like the some of the references in here feel little dated. So I'd be mm-hmm. curious to see, you know, this was done 10 years ago. What do we, is it the same now? And you know what? Mm-hmm. We're human. So it might be similar, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
That's a good one. On the P to V scale, where does enclosed cognition fall? Is it more Piscean? Is it more Virgo? What do you think? I was going to say, what do you think? (laughs) I feel like the giveaway answer, the throwaway answer is like Libra because Libra is so, I have to wear nice shoes. You know, Libra is very, I got to be wearing makeup. Like I got to look, I got to look cute. I got the Libra moon. So yeah. Okay. And and I feel like Taurus is also very, that has to be a nice fabric. Give me silk, give me velvet, give me a nice mohair. But I kind of think it falls more on the mystical sort of like whimsical side than it does the practical side for me, even though this is very science. Yes. The study. I don't know. What about well, you? The study you is very science, but I think what yeah. they're alluding to is very feeling, you know, symbolism and associations are very culture-based, which we make those up. That's true. So yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like you usually have more astute astro readings. I like the um, <laughs> I like the Libra call out because I think that's accurate. <laughs> Lo- love Libra. Okay. Are they a coffee or are they a matcha? I kind of think like almost a yerba mate. Wow. Okay. You're going sort of ceremonial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've got their, I don't <laughs> yeah, know what the container is called. Yeah. yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. That's I like that. That's the vibe I get. It's like very highly fueled green tea. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> very <laughs> apt. <laughs> yes. Do you think they're a morning glory? I do. I do. I think they're a morning glory. I think they're a morning glory and not a night owl because... Mm-mm. I feel like this has a lot of energy behind it, has yes. some thrust. And I don't always think of a night owl as sort of a thruster. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. Okay. And would you become an acolyte? I think I'm in the cult of enclosed cognition because I think the more that I spend time looking into this in my own life, the more evidence I have for the truth of it for me. What about you? Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I can't forget that. I can't forget it. Because when I forget it, it's a problem. It's a problem, you know? You're good at it. I do be lazy in the mornings and then I don't feel great about it later. (laughs) I don't even, I don't think it's lazy. It's not about lazy. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. I think there's a lot of like unconscious or like guilt that at least I'll speak for for me that I have around like getting ready in the morning and like taking my time to choose thoughtfully and to like prepare myself. It's like, why are you being so vapid? Or why are you being so vain? Or just put your clothes on? Like, why are you being high maintenance? And it doesn't take me a long time to get ready. It takes me 30 minutes. But like, I don't know, there's still I think something there. You nailed it. (laughs) It's the subliminal, the unconscious shaming. Yeah, you gotta you gotta just shake that shame off and take a long time getting ready. It's all about the playlist, too, you know? Oh, yeah. I was thinking like if you had a podcast or something that you could listen all the way through while you're getting ready or a playlist. Yeah. Not very Pharrell of you, but that's okay. Oh, no. That's okay. <laughs> He's like, um, Pharrell, I've decided, is the closest you get to an ascetic monk living on uh-huh. earth amongst us. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also like very much living the life of luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I take that back. <laughs> He's the no, he feels most luxurious monk. You know, <laughs> yeah. So far. Yeah, no, he feels very like demigod, you know, where yes. he can just do things that are like not human and has yes. more discipline than other people and just is wiser and smarter. I don't know. Well, I loved this episode. I feel like Wallace, you have to pick an embodied your your like uniform for grad school, like what your 
persona is going to be in grad school going in? You get to like remake yourself. I will report back because I think we should do a fall archetype philosophy episode just because I like an alliteration. (laughs) Yeah. And that's actually not an alliteration, but it rhymes. (laughs) And we should talk about what we're embodying. That would be fun. Yeah. That would be really fun. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it. So let us know. Listeners, hope that you enjoyed this episode. Have you experienced enclosed or embodied cognition? Let us know. You can leave a little note on Spotify uh, for the pod and we get it. And then we drop it into Slack. Wallace takes a screenshot. She drops it into Slack. Everyone freaks out. We all get so excited on the team. So if you want to make us lose our shit, just leave a like three-word reply. Honestly, that would be great. If you want to make us really lose our shit, leave us an amazing review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get found by other people and we just appreciate it. So if you've ever gotten anything valuable out of this podcast, when you've been listening, if you could leave a little review, it takes 30 seconds. We would be so, so, so grateful. Thank you so much. Five stars. We appreciate it. And um, we'll see you on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. See you on Tuesday. Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye. The 12th House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay. And our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.